Welcome to the Wolfpack Ninja Podcast. I'm Megan Martin. And I'm Ian Dory. I'm Brian Arnold. And I'm Noah Kaufman, the Ninja Doc. Thanks for joining our weekly conversation about health, fitness, and all things Ninja Warrior. We will be interviewing all of the top American Ninja Warrior stars, and we encourage you to visit our website, www.wolfpackninjas.com. And kids, you can get your free Wolfpack Ninja Cub certificate there. If you like our podcast, please share, subscribe, and like on iTunes. Also, give us a follow on our social media. We're always posting new content, and you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Together, we can make the world a healthier and happier place. So join us. Follow us across the social medias at Wolfpack Ninjas. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Wolfpack Ninja Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Dory, and today we have a very special guest, Ninja Legend, and one of my favorites, Nick Kostrowski. Nick, welcome to the show. Hey, Ian. How's it going? Hey. How you doing? Awesome. Nervous. <laughs> oh, don't be nervous. Don't be nervous. This is... Cool. Yeah, my, my kryptonite with Ninja Warrior is always the interview. I, that's just how, I guess, engineers are in general. You know, not so good at uh, at the uh, interview portion, at least. <laughs> well, I think you have a lot to say, just getting it all out. I'm happy to finally get you onto the show. I know we we tried to make it happen a few times, and uh, no, it's 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 an honor to have you here, and can't wait to to dive into your ninja history. And then you're quite the individual, so I want the uh, listeners and fans to get a little background on you're an aerospace engineer, and heard you have a pretty cool new job coming up, and I want to get into that. But first, let's uh, let's talk about your ninja career. I mean. This is if you do it this season, it'll be your third season. How did you get into Ninja, and what inspired you to to want to be on the show and compete? So I have a pretty unique situation in that I was buddies with Jeff Britton before ever getting involved in the show. Um, he he only lived about ten minutes from me until he recently moved to Colorado. Um, but we were sort of climbing buddies at the same gym. Um, years prior to him ever getting involved in the show. And uh, same thing with uh, Adam Grossman. So those are local climbers that I knew. And, you know, unlike a lot of people who get involved in the sport and apply to the show, I didn't really watch the show until I found out about what happened to Jeff. And when I saw, you know, when I started looking up YouTube videos and seeing that two climbers basically conquered stage four, um, of Midoriyama, you know, I, I was like, okay, this sport, if you can call it a sport, you know, <laughs> at, the, at the time I had no idea that it was growing to become this huge thing, but I, I just saw it as like, oh, this is like literally a competition for rock climbers. And being a climber, I, I decided, you know what, like, um, I want to get involved. I want to just send in an application and see what happens. And then it's, been a, a life-changing experience yeah yeah no absolutely i think most of the people that have spent time doing ninja de- have dedicated a lot of time to training and being part of the community it's it's a it's a really fun sport it's definitely growing and expanding like you said uh, it's kind of it's an infancy stage but it's definitely gaining momentum there's quite the proliferation of gyms and the sport is growing and more money is coming into it but you, uh, your first season on A and W was in Philadelphia, correct? Season eight. That, that is correct. 
And you ended up falling on the the Rolling Thunder. Do you uh, do you care to comment? What what do you think about the Rolling Thunder? Was uh, you know what, okay, what, what so, got you? Yeah. So my first season, I was a nervous wreck. Uh, let's start there. Um, I didn't really know what to expect. I knew very few people other than, you know, knowing Jeff obviously like was, was huge and he competed in that region. But uh, going through the whole interview process, honestly, I botched that interview to the point that I couldn't even introduce myself and say like who I was and, and what I did for a living. And that like got in my head and like two days prior, like I just couldn't eat anything. And I ended up coming back from Philly afterwards and, and weighed myself, I lost like 12 pounds. Oh, it was just the, the anxiety of the, like yeah. being there and, and, you know, just having the nerves really high and the adrenaline constantly rushing. It really got to me. I did a horrible job my first season of managing that. Um, and by the time I actually did have to do my run, like I, I didn't properly warm up. Um, I think I ran at like three thirty or four in the morning and I, you know, wasn't mentally prepared for that. Um, and honestly, like I'm an upper body guy, like usually I can do like pull ups all day long and, and am known for my upper body strength now, but I, the, uh, original rolling thunder, which is a bit more difficult than it was in season nine. Uh, it did get me and I got right to the end of it and then just did a sloppy dismount and half body in the water, half body on the, on the platform. And I was, super fortunate that it was still good enough to get me to the next round yeah yeah no 12th place i believe it was for to make it into the uh the fly, or no 22nd place 20 20 second yeah. yeah that's right well it's really interesting how really strong anyone can be and then you put them into a competition space and how differently your body responds i think there's quite the learning curve you know to go from being super i mean i've seen a lot of your videos like you training and you're really really strong and so to fall on on that obstacle it was i mean all the obstacles are hard but just kind of surprising it was good enough to make it to the finals and what happened in finals flying shelf grab so yeah the second night i was actually feeling a lot better you know feeling confident that i made it through the first round um and actually got a good night's sleep um and I even felt a lot better on obstacle five, you know, the rolling thunder blazed through it the second night. So by the time I got up to the salmon ladder and made the first lache to the flying shelf grab, I was overly excited that that uh, shelf grab actually felt like a jug. I was expecting it to be sort of just flat, um, but it, it almost felt in cut and I got a little bit too excited. I feel like it's all blur now, but I remember just going, oh, man, this feels really good. I feel really good. And I went for the second lache, and it was like a little bit of a different height. And I think I just came in bad. I, I remember watching the replay, and my hands just kind of slipped right past, like, the good part of the hole. And I was pretty bummed because, I don't know, uh, I want to say that I could have had a chance to complete based on how I was feeling, but you never know. You know, no, mistakes happen and yeah no i you're you're one of the guys that i think could ultimately finish the course i think you have enough skills and assets in your bag to to pull it off but it, like you were saying it's so easy to make a mistake and just be overconfident or miscalculate something i mean that one of the cruxes of the sport is that 
you get one shot at an obstacle, and if you screw up even just a little tiny bit, it's, it's game over. So, and yeah, all of us I... have fallen except except Isaac or except Jeff. So, it's, uh, yeah, no, it's it's tough, but it was it was good enough to go uh, go on to Vegas. So that's uh, it's awesome. You made it to to Vegas your first year. Yeah, I was super psyched on that. I mean, that's what it's all about, you know. I didn't know it at the time, but Vegas is just a huge ninja party, and it was super cool to to be joining that as a rookie. Absolutely, yeah. That is, it's quite the unique uh, mix of people to to join together, and yeah. Now the show is they they Vegas is quite the production. So, and tell so tell me about uh your first your first Vegas finals run, uh. How did it go? What what happened? Oh man, I still have PTSD from <laughs> from my first stage one run. So I didn't really know. I mean, I, you know, the the way that I approach the ninja course is I'm not trying to be the fastest guy out there unless I'm on a rope. Um, but when I'm when I'm running the course, you know, because I don't train ninja as much and I, I do have a strong climbing background. I kind of just go with the slow and steady wins the race attitude. You know, I know when I'm feeling pumped what I need to do to gain back, you know, enough strength to to get through the next crux of a move. So um, that said, you know, my stage one run, it went really well. Um, However, I took my sweet time between obstacles and I had, who did I have? I had Sean D.H., uh, Mike Myers, Adam Grossman as part of my sideline crew, and they're just there yelling at me to hurry up. And I was taking five to ten <laughs> seconds between obstacles. Right. Um, and I got a little hung up on the sonic curve. I ended up doing something really silly where I missed the rope swing dismount, and I ended up back on one of the platforms and kind of, you know, sat there for a minute, calculated my trajectory to the landing, and and ended up getting through it just fine. And by the time I got to the warp wall, I was feeling a little, like, you know, unbalanced in my legs. And I remember just losing my depth perception. Uh, this, I just saw this big red wall, and all of a sudden I couldn't see, like, um, how close or far away it was from me. And I stumbled my feet, so I took two goes on the warp wall. And those two mistakes are literally, like, what cost me completion. I mean, I ended up getting through the last obstacle, and I was at the top of the cargo net, and... Oh man, like time slowed down. I feel like I was climbing that cargo net and it uh, it must have felt like minutes and I'm just like ah, I'm like so drained of energy but I'm like right there. Um and yeah, I timed out with just a few I don't know, I probably was like 5 seconds too slow to hit the buzzer and I remember hitting that buzzer and like, you know, no smoke came out and Oh man, it was it was still <laughs> oh, no. it was still awesome to have not gotten wet. Like they yeah. immediately asked me a question, and they're like, you know, how do you feel? I was like, I didn't get wet. That was the <laughs> only thing that could come to my mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, getting wet it's it's horrible because you're out of breath, you're tired, and then you're soaking wet. Yeah, no, I, I know the uh, feeling. I, I've fallen on stage one, so it's uh, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, no one no one from the show likes getting wet i mean it's it's a real bummer to have to walk out and it's just you have your like tail between your legs you know just kind of all right give me my palm towel you know <laughs> <laughs> right yeah nobody wants a palm towel yeah they upgraded this year i i saw uh it's no longer the palm towel 
Oh, interesting. I don't know if you knew. I don't know if you knew that. They're like Ninja Warrior tiles now. Oh wow, wow. No, that's that's a little better, I guess. <laughs> well, uh, and then that's the end of your season for. It's a, it's a good season. I mean, to get all the way to end of stage one and to time out with some mistakes, at least you know that you can finish it. You know, coming into next year and at least get to stage two, you kind of know that uh, because of how well you did. What did you do differently between season eight, season nine, training wise, to be more prepared, more ready? It seems like you did a uh, a little better in season nine. So, what do you think you what was the difference? So, okay, so the big difference is when I competed in Philly, I had only been to three competitions um, in in Ninja. Like, I was fresh off the block. I had gone to um, the, an NNL qualifier at Alternate Roots, and that was my first competition ever. Uh, and I was lucky enough to get, like, second at that, and that's when I got hooked. Um, and then I went to the NNL finals at Wilczewski's gym, um, and I failed the warp wall. And at the time I was running in like, um, I was running in just trail running shoes, like horrible shoes for the warp wall. I had no idea that there was such thing as like ninja shoes or, or shoes that are good for specific obstacles. And I learned that the hard way at the, uh, my first NNL championship, um, and then my third competition ever was the Ultimate Backyard Warrior. And that was like only like a week before Philly. And I actually won that competition. And there were a lot of people I didn't even know from the show there. And they were like, you know, like, uh, you know, I won a decent amount of money. And I was like being told by a lot of people that I was going to crush in Philly. And it was a bit of a confidence booster for sure. Right. But basically, win. Yeah, uh, I was, an injury win. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I met a bunch of people from the show at that comp. And also, I mean, if you've ever been to Mike Cook's backyard, like the original backyard course, he's got like full scale versions of all the obstacles. So I just, you know, all weekend long played on all that stuff and it got me through, you know, my first season. But I I realized, you know, that you know, as a climber, you've got the upper body strength, but it doesn't mean you have the technique to get through things that are not purely rock climbs. So going into season nine, I mean, basically, I just kept that momentum going. And I just started going to a bunch of different competitions, like all the local comps that I that I could go to, if I had time to, um, I was, you know, starting to um, just rack up like, you know, some some stats doing all these local comps and trying to always maintain being like top five, you know? Yeah. And I had a good first year for sure. I mean, I came back to the ultimate backyard warrior in the fall and I was able to win that again. Um, and drew Dreschel was at that comp and I ended up beating him by one second on the rope. And that's like probably my proudest moment in, in the sport of Ninja so far. And he definitely ended up getting me back at the third UBW that I went to. And they had to increase the height of the rope to 100 feet. It was prior, like, 80 feet. Uh, and I just don't have the stamina. I realized, like, oh, Drew actually, like, trains the rope. I better uh, step up my game next time, you know. Um, <laughs> well, that's that's definitely it's... proud, beating Drew. That's uh, kudos. That's impressive. 
yeah, that was that was cool. Like I suddenly realized, oh man, this is more than just like a, a hobby at this point. Like I I might stand a chance if I actually start training to you know attempt to actually beat the the show. But um, yeah, I think honestly, like in terms of training, I don't train like a lot of people do. I, I go to the gym twice a week. Uh, my local climbing gym, Earth Treks in Rockville. Um, and for a while, I had a lot of good training partners. Sean DH, he moved. Uh, Chris DeGange, he moved away. Um, Jeff Britton, he moved away. Like, I've lost... I, I had a, I had this awesome, like, group of ninjas to train with, and then they've slowly been trickling away. And honestly, they were the ones who motivated me to train properly. And the way that, you know, they would set things up is... They, they would walk into a ninja gym and within seconds they would know like like this obstacle then this obstacle and i'm just like all right like you just tell me what challenging things you want me to do and i'll try it <laughs> i really nice. i didn't really have that level of experience you know some of these guys have been at it for a few years now and you really like if you're a new person on the block and you're trying to not just compete on the show but do well on the show the the real secret is is to surround yourself with top athletes from the show. They they know how to train and they they know like the little nuances of of what makes an obstacle difficult, even though it might not appear so, and and so on. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. So, I think that that's that's also a lesson in life. Not only you know if you're trying to be a ninja, but you want to be a good engineer or you want to be good at math or good at finance you know you surround yourself with people who have those skills and those tools and and plug in with them you know just like you did with ninja find people that are better than you surround yourself with those people so you push yourself to to be the best that you can be and i think so being around people like that just just helps you to step up your game with without even really having to try it's more natural i mean you still have to try obviously but you can just do it because those people are showing you how and it becomes a lot easier when you see something done in person right next to you right in front of you it's easier to see yourself you know it's easier to conceptualize yourself accomplishing an obstacle or doing whatever it is you want to do in life so no that's that's definitely one of the secrets and it's it's good that you uh, (laughs) you've been doing that and it it definitely showed in uh, season nine i mean you uh what was it there were only eight people that actually finished the, the qualifying course, right? You were one of them. Yeah, I think I was the slowest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's... that's Slow and steady wins the race. Yeah, you know? <laughs> that's okay. That's that's funny you say that because that most of the time that is my strategy as well. Just get to the finish line, finish the course. You know, I hate falling and yeah. Yeah, you and me both. Yeah, I mean, as a... <laughs> You know, climbers hate falling because it means they didn't send. So yep, I'm with yep. you there. So I have to ask. I watched the the move on the wedge, and what happened? Oh, what happened? Oh my god, that that's yet another like just noob mistake. You know, I've never <laughs> been on an obstacle that remotely resembles the wedge. Right. And here here are my thoughts on it. Um. So. That that whole run, first off, was a disaster. Uh, I don't know if you saw like what happened to me on the rings. Um, yes, but I remember. I, I, I was there. 
<laughs> I, I somehow broke the obstacle and was like sitting there one arm locked off for what felt like minutes and trying to argue like with the producers what I could do to not get DQ'd and so to start off like my mental game was a little bit like screwed up from from having almost you know fallen or, or gotten DQ'd on the second obstacle but I ended up just going really slow um with a with a plan of actually completing the course you know so I got back uh I, I got to the salmon ladder took that up and was feeling good you know I had basically rested 30 seconds between obstacles um after obstacle two and um I get to the wedge and I'm just like okay I saw Brian Arnold like you know mess up on his dismount earlier in the night so I figured that he had not gotten as close to the edge of the plexiglass as he could have gotten to sort of shorten that lache dismount. Um, and so I do a couple hops on the on the wedge, and I was like, "Oh, this actually feels not too bad at all." So I started just doing like massive moves, um, or what felt like massive moves, and I started getting near the edge, and I'm like looking, I'm sussing out the dismount, and I'm feeling good. I have like a big smile on my face, and I'm like, okay, one more, you know, hop and I'll be good for the dismount. And so I do, I go for that one more hop and I just completely overshoot the plexiglass. I didn't even know <laughs> what happened. Like I thought like, no. I thought something like had broken because when I landed in the water, I, I was still holding the bar. And I was like, no way. Like, here we go again, like falling on the eighth obstacle, you know, just like the year before. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely overshot my last hop before going for the dismount. So it was kind of disappointing. <laughs> I was, I mean, you're you're a phenomenal athlete. I think you could have actually finished that course. I mean, I was I was smoked when I got there, and you had a smile. I th I think if you had finished that obstacle, you would have you would have gone to the top and and got yourself a, a nice little patch. Ah, that would have been cool, man. Get a patch with you. <laughs> totally. That's an accomplishment right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope you get a compete this year because. I want you to get a patch. It's like a rite <laughs> well, of passage, you know. It's, uh, I know. I know. I want that patch. I'd wear it every day. <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, yeah, I hope I hope that happens. Um, and th that got you uh, That got you to, to Vegas again. It got me back to Vegas. And honestly, like, I don't know if you've seen my submission video from for season nine, but... I made it all about like training to hit buzzers because in season eight, I like, I'm not, I haven't confirmed this with the show, but I'm pretty sure I was the farthest competitor to not hit a single buzzer. And that was, <laughs> no. yeah. you know, like most people who, I think there was like three, maybe four people who timed out in stage one, but I'm, I'm pretty confident doing my own research. They all hit at least a city qualifier buzzer. So I was like, Oh man, like I didn't get to experience that, but I've gone as far as anyone can get, you know, before hitting a buzzer. So I was literally training to hit buzzers in my submission video for season nine. And when I hit that buzzer in Denver, that was awesome. Yeah. Was no, you were psyched. That was great. I saw that. I saw it. Yeah. And I saw the video as well. So <laughs> that that was your first buzzer. That was my first buzzer. And I was I was just punching that thing. I wanted to break it so no one else could hit it. <laughs> well, you earned it. That was that was a hard course. A lot of people fell. 
So, no, that's definitely proud. Yeah, thanks. So, assuming you get to do Ninja this year, which you're just going to have to tell your work, hey, listen, I'm sorry, but, you know, I'm Nick. I, I don't know if you know who I am. I'm a very important person. I have to do Ninja. <laughs> <laughs> so, if assuming you do Ninja, are you changing up your training at all? What's, what's your strategy for this year? Uh, as far as you know, lower body training, upper body coordination, distraction training. I know that timing has been a little bit of an issue. Uh, you did clear stage one and got to stage two in city uh, or in Vegas. And actually, we didn't talk about your stage two run, but what do you what do you think you're going to do uh, different this time to to beat beat Midoriyama? Um, honestly. Um, my big mistake last season was not looking at the prior season's obstacles and, and at least finding a gym that's got, um, you know, some version or replication of the stage two obstacles. So I had never been on the, uh, the wave runner. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. uh, Wave runner. Yeah. Yeah. The the wave runner is what got me in stage two this, this past season. And I had never been on anything really like that. Um, so my plan was obviously to find a gym and practice that. And also the wing nuts. I, for whatever reason, do not like swinging sideways. So I, you know, I've trained it a little bit at different comps that have had the wing nuts and just Kind of like, you know, if you have a bit of muscle memory developed for a specific obstacle, then when you encounter it on the show, you come in with a whole different level of confidence. Yes, Um, 100% agree. Yes. I've, up until last season, I was more of a, like, I don't like to train obstacles because I don't want to train myself to be used to a specific feel, like look and feel for an obstacle. So I had the opposite technique in years prior, like. I almost prefer to just flash everything, get on it and just figure it out while I'm there. But I, I definitely suffered uh, some revelation while I was on the wave runner. I was like, oh, man, this doesn't feel good at all. Like I was way too locked off and right. didn't get it balanced. And like in 10 seconds, like everything just drained out from me. I had also hurt my uh, forearm on the uh, propeller the night before, and it just felt cramped all day. I know Josh had a similar circumstance. His was even worse. His was like straight up bruised. Mine just kind of felt cramped. Oh, um, the propeller. Ah. Yeah, like a lot of people get bruised on that, like when they come in on that hot landing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, not not my favorite obstacle at all. No. Yeah, I hope they get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Um, but overall, I mean... I've been really focusing on getting back into climbing, actually. Like, I, I noticed from getting into Ninja, like, my, my climbing uh, power, like, started to diminish. And that's because the way that you train for Ninja is not so much go do the hardest climbing, or, sorry, the, whole, the hardest uh, boulder problems. It's more, right. like, uh, power endurance. So, like, you know, Sean DH was, like, basically took me under his wing and, and taught me about doing you know, pyramids and, uh, and forcing me to do things. Uh, something that I, I started doing was, uh, you know, 100 V points. So you go to a Boulder gym and, and see how quickly you can climb enough, uh, grade 
or sorry, keep track of each grade until you get to a hundred points. So yeah. like a V1 is one point, you know, a V5 is five points. Right, right. Um, and that really is, you know, a climber's method of preparing for the, the level of endurance and power that you need on the course. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's more like sport climbing. You, you do like a boulder problem, then you get a rest, and then a boulder problem, then a rest. It's very similar to the like the route climbing style. So no, I think that's a good a good strategy. And then nothing on the ninja course is like V10, you know. And for the, the yeah. for the listeners out there, the V scale, uh, it's just a, a grading system for rock climbing, bouldering specifically, starting at B0 being the easiest. And V15, V16, I think actually V17 now is the hardest thing in the world. Uh, just just to clear that up, it's, it's some technical jargon, if you will. <laughs> it's just pure craziness. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I finally cl- uh, climbed my first V10 outdoors this year. I, that was like a probably the highlight of my year so far. Oh, well, respect, of... dude. That's great. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> which, uh, which one? Do, would I know of it? Uh, not unless you've climbed in Maryland. It's actually a place called Rock State Park, north of Baltimore. Okay. No. Um, and there's this epic, um, just overhung rock. It's just freestanding on another rock, and it's it's called uh, Moby's. Um, and it's, it's a pretty much a classic in Maryland. Um, the first time I ever touched it. I was like, oh, I'll probably never climb this. But then my buddy went up there to project it one day. I can't, I decided to come with him just to get outdoors. And next thing I know, you know, 50 tries into it, finally, like, sent it. I have a good video of it and everything. I was like, oh, I can, like, retire from climbing now. <laughs> <laughs> that was, like, nice. one of those, like, mental goals when I got into climbing. I was like, okay, one day I'll do double digit. Yeah, but uh, no. Now I'm just more psyched to go outdoors a lot more. I'm like, oh man, I've been holding myself back climbing in the gym too much. Yeah, something special about about being outside climbing, and you know, I know a lot of the ninjas are getting into to rock climbing, and you'd already been into climbing, but I was uh, I was giving the some of the ninjas a hard time, specifically Joe Moroski. He he texted me the other day or other month. He was like, I did a V8, and I was like. Was it outside? He said no. I was like, <laughs> "Sorry, dude, doesn't count." <laughs> uh, he was he was pretty bummed. I mean, I'm mostly joking, but it was, it was just funny. No, something special, and you know, respect to V10. That's definitely very very challenging and hard to get to. So, congratulations on that. But thank you. Uh, Have you? Did you know? Just side note. Um, out of all the ninjas, the craziest thing I've ever seen happen, like in terms of mixing ninjas with climbing was in red rocks in season eight we we did a little climbing adventure with um you know those richard shoemaker and jeff Britton sort of leading the pack because they're they're both like super outdoor climbers but we brought like a bunch of sort of gumbies if you will i mean you know all strong ninjas right in terms of climbing they're mostly like they were planning to do like v2s v3s but so there was like you know, small group of actual climbers, and we we got on some like sixes and sevens. I kid you not, Jamie Ron like did something I've never seen before. It was his first time outdoor climbing, and he managed to climb a V seven outdoors. What? It was insanity. Uh, I could insane. not believe it. And it was it was not 
the easiest V7 in the world either. I mean, it took, you know, it took me several goes. It took, I think, even Jeff and and Richard uh, a couple, like, I don't think anyone flashed it. Wow. Um, That's but really, Jamie really got impressive. on there and he, yeah, he got through that. I was like, okay, Jamie Ron's like the strongest person I've ever met. <laughs> yeah. No, he is really strong for sure. No, he's an impressive dude. The V7 outside, first day, that's, he should start climbing outside more. I know, right? I, I don't know if you've ever experienced, I mean, you know a lot of climbers and you're you're a world-class climber, but I don't know if you've ever heard of anyone climbing V7 their first day outdoors. Nope, never heard of that. That That's kind of insane. Uh, anything else you want to let our uh, audience know about? Um... I don't know. I mean, you know, to anyone listening, if you are a fan of the show, um, you you have to realize like what this bigger picture is. I mean, it's it's really revolutionary. Um, just how awesome it is that like we are getting, you know, our our society psyched on like being really active again and. Um, I've, I'm starting to see kids like at playgrounds, like in my neighborhood again. And I, you know, I hear the word ninja warrior, like just in public, like, random kids, like wanting to be ninjas and just watching the sport grow. Um, I've only been, you know, involved since season eight, but in the couple of years that I've been involved, it's insane. Like how much is changing. I mean, you know, the Wolfpack tour is now this big thing that everyone looks forward to and. Um, you know, there's all these ninja leagues out there and it's, it's no longer this like thing that you just see on TV. It's if you want to go and try out, like go to a ninja warrior gym, like you can literally just Google it and you probably have one like within driving distance. And if you don't have one, then there'll probably be one soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, no, it's... it's really, it's really neat to just watch the, the sport grow. And I, for that you know, and, and the fact that it's motivating kids to, to be in shape and, and adults too. Um, it's, there's a big picture to all this and it's more than just winning a million bucks. You know, it's, it's about being psyched on life and not letting your inner like kid spirit die when you become an adult. Like that's kind of my take on it is, you know, I'm always like jumping on stuff and, and treating life as a playground. And now I no longer feel bad about it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Totally. Get to let, get to, you know, uh, I don't know. Ninja Warrior made me a much happier person. Um, uh, I, I can be an adult when I need to, like in the office. And then as soon as I, you know, clock out for the day, I go out and I get to be a kid again. The world is our playground and Ninja Warrior helps us just remember that. Yeah. No, I, I think you're, I think you're exactly right. It's about inspiration, having fun and, instilling good values in the kids and that that's a big part of you know the wolf pack's mission you know and, and you're part of that inspiration for the kids to to get off the couch and play on ninja obstacles be outside just be motivated in life like you were saying i mean we, we need we need people to be psyched on on what they're doing and be passionate about it i mean we need more guys like like you honestly in the world so it's uh I'm glad you're part of the community and it's uh it, if we can make an impact in the the future of our kids and plant seeds of greatness and dietary you know what they eat and getting them active and 
being a ninja in school, not just, you know, out on the course, you know, we could really help change the future of this country. And it's a, it's a pretty special platform to, to be able to make an impact in uh, so many people's lives. So it's, uh, yeah. no, it's been great to have you on the show. And for everyone, if, if you don't follow uh, Nick on Instagram, it's k.o.ninja. And that's her Instagram. Is that the same on Twitter, uh, Facebook, all that? Do you have those? That's a good question. Uh, I think on Twitter, I, I'm not really that active on Twitter. No worries. Um, we, we could put those yeah, in the Instagram show is, Yeah, Instagram is where I'm, I'm most active. Yeah, Instagram is where it's at anyways. So. Okay, well, I think uh, we're going to wrap up here. I really appreciate your time, and uh, thanks for being on the Wolfpack Ninja Podcast. Yeah, thanks, Ian. It was a pleasure talking to you, and can't wait to come out to Colorado and come hang out with you guys. Yeah, no, come out to Colorado. We'll do some climbing, and we didn't even really get to talk about your deep water soloing, but uh, maybe another show. So, Guys, just a quick health tip for you before we go today. You know, just be mindful of what you're eating. Just be, be present. Be aware of not only your breath and what you're eating, but just as you're moving through the day, just be paying attention to, oh, is this going to serve me You know, in the future? Is this eating this right now? Am I, what am I drinking? Is this soda pop? Is this water? Just be conscious of what you're putting into your body so that your future self will thank you. Do that for me. Do that for your family. Try to instill that in your kids. And, uh, you know, after a little while, you start to feel a lot better because you're, be, you're paying attention to, to the food that you're putting in your body and the environment around you and who you're talking to. Just being mindful, being present in the moment is, is my tip for you this week. So thanks for joining me, and we'll see you next time on the Wolfpack Ninja Podcast. Thanks so much for joining the Wolfpack Ninja Podcast. If you liked it, please tell a friend. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It would mean a lot. Remember to visit our website at www.wolfpackninjas.com and join us on social media. Join us next time for another exciting episode with your favorite ninjas and informative health tips. Follow us across the social medias at Wolfpack Ninjas.